Hello and welcome back to The Good, The Bad and The Backlog, a podcast where each week we talk about a video game we've been playing from our backlog. And I'm Kieran, your host, and today, as always, I am joined by the runner-up to the top 10 anime husbandos, Adam. How's it going, Adam? I'm shattered I didn't make uh, number one anime husbando, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah, you're old news, man. Yeah. 2020 is not your year. I think uh, 2017, where you <laughs> where you got number two, that's your best year. It was, it was a good year for you. Jokes on the judges of that competition because I fucked the number one husband though. So, <laughs> ha. <laughs> nice. Suffering your jocks. So, uh, so how's how's life? Um. Well, I'm currently sitting under two heavy winter blankets because there's a party going on in my neighborhood and I'm trying to make sure it doesn't show up in the recording. Um, and my back hurts. But <laughs> other than that, I've um, also binge watched the, f- the two Sister Act movies over the last two days and um, feeling very spiritual and musical. So, you know, <laughs> nice. praise Jesus. Well, that's good. <laughs> Praise the Lord, or one true savior here. Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> well, who else is there? Maggie Smith is also in that movie, so you can praise her too. Oh, fair enough. That's a nice combination. Yeah. Can we just bring light to how good a name Whoopi is? I know. It was her nickname when she was growing up. Fun fact, in case you didn't know. Huh. Do you know how that came about? Yeah, because she would fart a lot, I'm pretty sure. Oh, that, that's my type of gal right there. <laughs> You can't <laughs> blow a stinky fart in my face. You're not worth marrying. <laughs> <laughs> I take that back, by the way. Yep. <laughs> you are worth marrying. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we've started talking about farts already. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, all right. That's how I want every episode to go. So, um, what about your week in the uh, timeless zone that you were living in? <laughs> the timeless zone, Yeah. He uh, he says that because I kind of forgot it was Saturday today, so um, it was a bit of a rush to get everything ready for this episode. But you know, what can you do? This is the the COVID times, and every day is becoming a weekend, and every day is becoming a Monday at the same time. So, uh, one one day I will get my schedule back together, but that day is not today. Um, but as for the week, it's been pretty good. I went surfing yesterday and got so burnt because um, you kind of forget that when you're in the ocean and it's sunny there is no shade there is no protection and you're just completely at the sun's mercy and when i got out my face just felt red and then i looked at myself when i got home in the mirror and it was uh, it's not a pretty sight just yeah my my pale face was crispy i've definitely done that many many times in australia and last summer I was skinny dipping at a friend's house and I put sunscreen like all over my body, except I didn't put sunscreen on to my, my butt and my private parts because like, I ended up taking my board shorts off after applying sunscreen. So then like halfway through the day, I started realizing that my ass was getting sunburnt and then oh, when I got man. home, it hurt to put underwear on because my butt cheeks were bright red. Oh, you just sit down and feel the pain. Oh, it was probably the worst and i actually um full disclosure got a little bit of a burn on my penis oh man <laughs> <laughs> and that's Crispy not fun. flaky skin on the oh man 
Uh, can we go back to talking about farts now? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just move on from the whole genitalia area and maybe get into this game of the week. <laughs> yeah, but I think we should just uh, encourage people to take extra precaution when applying sunscreen. <laughs> yeah. uh, do you have a do you have a slogan in the UK for wearing sunscreen? Because in Australia, our marketing campaign was slip, slop, slap. Uh, no, that's actually um, the Conservative Party's uh, ca- slogan, actually. So, um, <laughs> but I don't know the one for the, for our <laughs> sunscreen. Oh, here it's, it's slip on a t-shirt, slop on some sunscreen, and slap on a hat. Wow. Well, you know, you can remember yeah, that. It's catchy. You don't want to get the order the wrong way around. <laughs> All right. Well, away from sunscreen, um, we should talk about the game that we've been playing this week. Which, if you had listened yes. to the previous episode, you will know. Following on from Dead Space 1, we have now been playing Dead Space 2. Space 2 is a science fiction survival horror video game developed by Visceral Games, RIP, and published by our everyone's favourite publisher, Electronic Arts. And it was released in January 2011 on Microsoft Windows, PS3, and Xbox 360. I played this on PS3, which I think anyone could predict right now, and I believe you played it on mm-hmm. Xbox 360, is that right? I played it on Xbox One via Xbox 360 backwards compatibility. Ah, magic. Did you stream? Uh, No, I've been meaning to do it, but I just never got around to it. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think it takes a bit of effort to do that. I didn't think anybody would bother watching, so I just kind of played on my own time. And um, yeah, once I had already started the game, I was like, oh, well, I'm not going to bother streaming it now because no one wants to watch me jump in like halfway through and stream. So Yeah, and the fact is... It's a bit of a bit of an old game now, and I think you wouldn't get too many people join, so the Twitch would be pretty much dead space. <laughs> Look, the the Twitch is always dead space for us, so yeah, <laughs> but it's fun. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, Dead Space Two is set three years after the events of the first one, and again you follow the protagonist Isaac Clarke, and again it's fighting a weird necromorph outbreak. But this time, instead of being on the Ishimura, it's on this large space station called the Sprawl, which is surrounding uh, one of Saturn's moons, Titan. Yes. And there are quite a lot of differences in this game. There are a ton of differences. Yeah, like when I first loaded up, um, it reminded me of the jump from Mass Effect 2 to Mass Effect 3. I'm just like, very broadly speaking, it was that kind of jump graphically, I think, and like uh, with the maneuverability that sort of thing that's like the first thing that hit me yeah before we get too too far into it um just as an fyi for everybody listening if you haven't listened to the dead space one podcast go and do that first and then jump into this one because we're going to be making a lot of comparisons to our previous episode so um we're probably not going to retread like the same ground over and over again so contextually you'll want to be up to date yeah 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 and there will probably be uh, spoilers throughout this, but 
I think, yes, like we said in the first episode, that you're kind of here for the experience and the atmosphere rather than more so than the story. At least that's what I thought. Yeah, I still do like the story, and I think they upped their game a bit uh, this time around in terms of like the personal story for Isaac, which is a throwback to the changes. Which is, of course, that Isaac Clarke now has a voice actor. He has found his voice. Yeah. He got over that really bad case of laryngitis and now he's talking. And now he won't shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And he's voiced by Troy Baker, Nolan North and uh, Laura Bailey all at once. (laughs) No, he's voiced by someone who I've never heard of. And his voice is... Gunner. He's fine. Yeah. I like him. Apparently, that's also... um, who they modelled his face after, so makes sense. Well, of course, we don't. S- do we see his face in the first game? We do actually. Um, you get to see him. So a lot of people don't know this about the first game, but those interactive cutscenes, you can swivel the camera around, and the very first cutscene where Isaac isn't wearing a helmet, you can swoop the camera like a full one eighty degrees and see his entire face. And then he also takes his helmet off at the very end of the game as well. So, a lot of people who played and who didn't manipulate the camera in the first cutscene are like, oh my god, that's what he looks like? He's hideous. Um, when they get to the very end. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I was one of those people that played and I didn't really, I didn't see his face in the beginning. So, I kind of like superimposed what I imagined he would look like. So, when I saw his face in the end, I was like, that's not what I was expecting. But uh, yeah, in this one, face gets out all the time. Every chance he gets, he takes his helmet off. I was expecting Whoopi Goldberg to be under there. Yeah. <laughs> Big disappointment. Wearing a, a nun's habit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. She's a unitologist, after all. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me break in a song. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, he's he's found his voice, and he, he certainly... I was going to say, he certainly likes to use it. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a voice now, and God damn it, I'm going to use it. (laughs) What's your your opinion on um, having him be voiced now? You pro that, or you anti that? Because I remember last episode, you said that you quite liked him as a silent protagonist. So, what's your thoughts on him this time around? Uh, It works. Yeah, I'm pro. Yeah. But that's that's, uh, at the same time, I'm glad that Dead Space 1 isn't voiced. I think I think it worked without, and it probably works with. So it's, it's just like um different... It allows the game to, to go on a slightly different way. Yeah. I think it actually fixes one of your main um, critiques of the last game, which was sort of being dragged around by the other characters. Yeah. This time around, now that he's talking, he's the one that's in charge and deciding what he wants to do. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, so he's like, okay, we're going to go do this, and I'm going to do this, rather than Kendra on the old hologram being like, oh, Isaac, go and fix the air con. Isaac, you little bitch, go and do this. <laughs> yeah. Isaac, there's oil leaking from my car. Come over and fix <laughs> yeah. it for me. <laughs> I can't undo this jar. <laughs> <laughs> the, the fridge is making a funny buzzing noise. Isaac, come help me. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. In this game, Isaac would tell her to fuck off. Yeah, I actually really, really like his personality in this game. He's got like a, he's got a a jokey side to him, like a lot of other protagonists. But he's also quite, I don't know. He's like he's a bit of a boss. I like him too. I like him too. Yeah, he doesn't seem to take much shit. He does kind of what he wants, yeah. and he seems fairly real in some ways. Although I, I would say uh, he does. 
he seems to handle the outbreak of Necromorse a little bit too casually with his attitude. Like, he doesn't seem afraid at all. But maybe that's because he's um, not. He's been there, done that, killed them all. He knows how to deal with them. So he's an experienced fighter of these things. Yeah, I think that's probably what it is. They do sort of, they go into a bit of his backstory as well. And, and so I think this is, they actually have flashbacks to him talking to Nicole from, uh, not from the previous game, but leading up to the previous game. So it, it delves into like his backstory and his relationship with her. But then it also goes into the PTSD that he experienced from being on the Ishimura. So, mm. um, yeah, I, I, I love him. <laughs> I'm glad that they gave him a voice and um, a personality other than you know, body movements and stuff, which was successful in the first game. But this time around, like he's he's a he's a guy with uh, I don't want to say ambitions, but he's like he he's got goals. He's gonna go out and he's gonna achieve them, and he ain't gonna take no shit from no necromorph. Ain't no necromorph gonna get in his way. Yeah, because baby, there ain't no mountain high enough. <laughs> And there ain't no river wide enough. <laughs> there ain't no valley low enough to stop Isaac from getting to wherever he needs to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because he's, he's got ambition and goals. <laughs> yeah. ah, so Isaac Clark, we are pro. And his voice. Yes, pro Isaac Clark. Very good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we'll tick that one off. I should also probably say that the opening to this game is probably one of the best openings of a video game I've played in recent years. Uh, that's a big statement. I stand by <laughs> it. The first 15 minutes are hectic as fuck. It's definitely and, hectic. Um, yeah. So, um, I don't particularly remember much about it other than him waking up on the spot <gasps> after finding like he's been in a coma for some years. How can you not remember? Yeah, you can talk me through it. Talk, talk the, the okay. listeners through it. All right. So the way that this game opens is Isaac is in some sort of mental institution, and he's being questioned by a doctor guy, and he's having these hallucinations about Nicole from the first game, his love interest, who spoiler alert is deceased. So her ghost or a ghostly hallucination of her is sort of visiting him. And that actually carries on through the entire game, but we'll get to that later. And um, so he's woken up from his coma and um, he's woken up by a guy who's basically just saying like, oh, hey, wake up, Isaac, we've got to get you out of here. And there's like shit going on. There's necromorphs killing other people. And this guy cuts you free and wakes you up. But then one of those little flappy necromorphs that turn dead bodies into new necromorphs comes up behind this guy and while he's right in your face it turns him and his like face starts peeling off and he transforms into a necromorph and then you manage to free yourself and then you're running through the corridors trying to dodge all the necromorphs and you can't do anything because your arms are in a straight jacket and there are other people trying to shoot at you and shit's going crazy and everyone around you is dying and you're just trying to get out of there alive so that's the intro and did you realize that that guy who wakes you up and takes you out of the um, your little um, seat where you're tied down? He is the, I think he is one of the main protagonists of Dead Space Ignition. <laughs> Why, well, as a matter of fact, I did know that. Get out of town. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it says on the wiki. <laughs> Franco. I haven't played Ign uh, Ignition though, so. Nah, likewise. Yeah, he's the he's a protagonist of that game. Um, I'm probably never going to play that game, so. Sad to find out that he died. 
at the very beginning of Dead Space 2. <laughs> <laughs> he, he really didn't have much of a role, but hey, he set Isaac free, which ultimately yeah. led to the rest of the game being able to take place. So we owe him a huge debt of gratitude. Thank you, yeah. Franco. He did a good thing, so that's a tick in that box for Dead Space 2. Yeah. <laughs> or Franco. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, before I uh, before we go on, I just want to mention that I actually had the um, PS3 edition, the collector's edition, and to my surprise, when I loaded it up, you actually have the Dead Space Extraction at, on the on yep. the disc, so you can install that. I am very very jealous of you, and I actually ended up ordering the PlayStation 3 version on eBay this week. Nice. <laughs> so- Although I should also say that when I when you go on it, you you only have the trial version. <gasps> So, I wonder uh, if it's too late to cancel my order. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Perhaps, perhaps there is a way of unlocking it. Perhaps there's a code or something I need to put in. But yeah, you, I think there is. It, like you can install it and then you you play it, and it's you can play a little trial, and then you just have to go to the store and play the rest. So I was most upset because it looks fun. No, I think I think it must come with a code because on the front of the box, I even looked at this very carefully in the eBay ad. It says the game comes with Dead Space Extraction. No, Ignition. No, Extraction. Whatever. The Wii game. Definitely Extraction. Yeah. So, it comes with Extraction and you you can play the full game if you buy this version of it. So, I bought that version of it. And knowing my luck, the code has probably already been used. So, whatever. But I'm sure there'll be some way or workaround where I can actually play it. And I'm going to give it a go. Yeah. I would like to play it. I haven't really ever played any yeah, PlayStation Move games, but I do have the controllers somewhere. So one day I will play it. Well, I don't have Move, but I know that you can play it without that. So yeah, uh, yeah, game on, Mole. If it's designed for Move, I might as well use that. Oh yeah. So yeah. anyway, that's uh, besides the point. <laughs> so so back to the intro, which you have stated as being very good. Uh, I don't disagree. Yes. It is cool, and I, I do enjoy seeing the. The the living space station suddenly turned into this necromorph infested place. Uh, it just felt like it was uh this is way too quick again. And you know this is a thing I had in the first game where they just they don't build the tension and build an atmosphere enough. They just seem to break straight into it. It's like they it's not that type of game. Yeah, but why isn't it that type of game? It could make it so cool. No, but it's an action game. I know they they wanted this to be more action than horror. Right, rather than the first one, yeah. which they wanted it more horror based. It just seems like they they still try to make it startling, and they seem to make it a little bit too often again. Without just, I want more quiet time. I want more quiet time for me to me and Isaac to bond. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right, noted. But um. I do not see that as a flaw in this game because um, like one of the other uh, reviews somewhere on Metacritic that I was flipping through said that uh, Dead Space 1 is like Alien and Dead Space 2 is like Aliens. Yeah, So literally I, every reviewer ever ever seen says the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's true. I mean, it it's true, at least to me. Um, this one is the action-packed... Uh, get away from her, you bitch, type of yeah. horror movie sci-fi thing. And the first one is more of a claustrophobic experience, uh, narrow corridors and 
creepiness and this one is like oh shit there's a fuck ton of enemies around me and i'm about to be ripped apart in a whole host of different ways which have been animated um dozens and dozens and dozens of different ways i think it's because we've come straight from playing the first one literally we played that probably like a day before i started the second one so not exactly the three-year gap that was originally there (laughs) when it first came out um and so it's so fresh in our minds of what the first one was like that we can't i guess i kind of expected something similar and that it's it's very similar it's you know it's not far apart but there are so uh, enough significant differences to make it feel like a different style of game and maybe it was that i i was expecting less action more atmosphere and creepiness because i was used to it (laughs) if you know what i mean yeah yeah no i get it um i did play this one back in 2000 and um i want to say i played this the year it came out because i'm pretty sure i played dead space one pretty quickly after it came out and then as soon as i then then i became a fan of it um and then when i heard that the second one was coming around that was like a day one purchase for me or pretty damn close to it so i played that as soon as it was released and um loved it strangely the second one i didn't replay so the first one i replayed three times the second one i finished once and didn't go back to it i don't know why because i actually think i'm just going to come out and say it i think i like the second game better than the first game but for some reason i didn't replay it as much as i did the first game maybe it's because i got more achievements in my first playthrough so i didn't feel the need to go back and get more but replaying it this time around I knew that it was going to be a more action-heavy experience, and I was totally fine with it. I did forget a vast majority of this game, though, so it was kind of like like what I said last week. It's like revisiting a lost love or hooking up <laughs> with your ex again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I... Those were the days. <laughs> uh, I, have, I had never played this before, so basically I was going in blind. I think the only thing I knew about it was that Isaac had a voice. So yeah, but it, it it like you know you you quickly get used to the style and it stops becoming this like uh, shocking experience of a completely different game. Um, yeah, I definitely wasn't as scared in this one. I was startled by things jumping out and monsters overwhelming me, but I wasn't scared. Yeah, I think this one is uh, what well, is it's definitely more action focused. It's more startling. Yeah. There are a whole lot of startles. You will stop and say, oh, I'm startled when the little necromorph pops out at you. And then in five minutes, it happens again. And you're startled again. Uh, yeah. It feels slightly less serious in that manner compared to the first one. Uh, where, like, yeah, the first one feels a bit heavier in tone. This one is, it's, yeah, I think, as you said, alien and aliens. It's, it is a perfect match. Yeah. You know what the necromorph infestation is by this point so they're not really going to spend the time um slowly building up to it again because it's like all right cool we've seen that in the last game let's uh jump straight into the action and get on with it and i think they did it really effectively um at least from my point of view and i think it was the smartest choice to make at the time and having come off of the first game immediately going into this game One of the advantages, I think, is that we have a much clearer idea of what has changed, and I have a full list of all the differences from the first game and the second game, as far as gameplay is concerned, and in my opinion, all of them are improvements. Okay, should we go through the 
the list now? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, at the top of my list is the voice acting. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the most obvious thing that you know straight away. Yeah. So another one of the things that we pointed out last time was that all the the cutscenes were interactive to a degree, so you could um, still move your character and interact with the environment and whatever else, and swing your camera around. This time around, they haven't done that. They've taken control away from the character, and it's basically plays out like a traditional cutscene. So it's more cinematic in that aspect, which I think works for this game. It was nice in the last one, but it's different for this one. Yeah, I don't really have much of a feeling. It's uh, it's fine. <laughs> it's not yeah. that often, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I think once when when the character becomes an actual character and not being a silent protagonist, they have to speak so <laughs> and interact with the environment, and they're driving the plot. So you can't like have control over them during the cutscenes anymore. So it makes sense for me, and probably saves a whole lot of time. Yeah, making it cinematic or whatever. Uh, next one. So, there is multiplayer. <laughs> there is, apparently. Which I didn't play. Yeah, likewise. <laughs> didn't even think to yeah. look if there was any servers active. No, nah, there was no way I was going to try and play it, but I knew that it was there, and I know it's an EA thing that's being tacked onto all games. So, you know, it just kind of comes with the territory of being published by EA. I can overlook it. I don't go into games like this with multiplayer in mind, and I definitely didn't play the multiplayer. So Yeah, in fact... yeah. It's one of those games where you need an online pass to get onto it. So every time I I loaded up the game, you have to go through the little tab which tells you to buy a code or put in your uh, put in your code or skip. So yeah. every time I load it on, you have to go through through that. It's like it doesn't really matter. It's just it's a sign of the EA yeah. times. I I skipped it every single time. Yeah, I don't even even if I had the code, I don't think I'd bother putting it in because I just I don't care. I think enough. I did try to. <laughs> I think I tried to and it just didn't work, so I gave up. Yeah, fair enough. It's probably been used. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I definitely didn't buy this game secondhand, so I don't know who else would have used the code except for me, but I digress. Maybe it's just invalid now, because it's probably nine years out of date. Oh, potentially. Okay, so there's also crawling in air vents is a new mechanic yeah. to get you from one room to another. Yeah, it seems like a good addition, just a, a, an easy way of getting through an area where there might be locked doors and no other routes and being that he's an engineer yep. by trade <laughs> he knows where these <laughs> vents leave lead lead sorry <laughs> i i like that as well it um sort of opens up the gameplay a bit more rather than just traversing corridors so it breaks it up a little bit with with you know the way that you interact with the map and the environment so uh welcome addition and an improvement i particularly like when the necromorphs jump into the vents and attack you they can attack you in the vent no i'm just joking Oh, okay, because it never happened to me. <laughs> I just wanted to, to get the listeners on edge when they're playing it. <laughs> you put me on edge because like, holy shit, that could have happened. I thought all the vents were like a safe zone. Yeah, they are a total safe zone, sadly. Would have been quite funny if you could be attacked in them. <sighs> that would be a nightmare. <laughs> um, there's been some changes to the Kinesis module. So now when you're using Kinesis, you can throw uh, Necromorph... Uh, arms like the the ones with the pointy bone stabby bits, <laughs> and you can throw. <laughs> what would you call that? Claw blade. Claw. Okay. Blade. Yeah. yeah. The bone blade. Yeah. The blade from the necromorph. You can throw those, and you can throw like these metal spikes, 
And in this game, since it's been upgraded, you can actually pin Necromorphs against the wall now. So Kinesis becomes much more viable in combat than it was in the previous game, which is a huge improvement. And I made use of this quite a lot. I used it a bit. Especially in the early game. A whole lot more than the first game, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. After a while, like, you start getting overwhelmed by other Necromorphs, so it kind of becomes too risky to use it. But you know, in the early sections of the game... I was throwing necromorph blades left, right, and center, and I was having a great time doing it. <laughs> yeah. Throwing babies, even. I mean, me too, man. That, <laughs> that was definitely a highlight of the game. <laughs> yeah. A lot of babies in this one. There is a lot of babies. Uh, okay, so there are some other minor ones as well. There's actually a whole ton of these, but... Um, yeah. So, uh, zero-G sections... Uh, no longer controlled the way that they were in the first game where you're standing with the gravity boots on a flat surface and then you propel yourself forward to another flat surface. Now you actually have like air propulsion in your suit so you can basically fly in zero-g. So whole like 360 degree range of motion. Love those sections now. A lot more than they than I did in the first game at least. Yeah, that was a huge... That was a huge improvement really. And I think... Oh it, yeah, for sure. I think... There are these parts throughout the game, so it's like to a degree that it is a major point and not a minor point because it is it's something you have to utilize quite often. So yeah. it just makes them more interesting. I shouldn't have prefaced that with um, yeah. minor points because I was looking at some minor points, but then I jumped to a major point. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's also oh fuck, my legs are falling asleep. Oh fuck, <laughs> I'm leaving that in. My hamstring is cramping up. Okay. So, there is also hacking. So, you can hack through certain electrical panels now to open doors and um, activate machinery things. I completely <laughs> forgot about that. That's new. <laughs> that That's uh, prevalent. So, oh, maybe that's minor. I'd consider that a minor I would thing. definitely consider it minor. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a nice addition um, yeah, I mean, just another one of those things that breaks up gameplay and you're, you're doing something a little different from killing Necromorphs, so I liked that. I, I liked how it was introduced, actually, how the first the first time you encounter a hack module, and then once you do it, you get a, like a, a, um, a surprise attack by a Necromorph that comes running straight at you. And I think oh, at that yeah. point, you're, you're encouraged to utilize the stasis as well at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty difficult, actually. Oh, and I loved... um. This is slightly off off, uh, off tangent or off track, but I love the way that you get the plasma cutter in this game because um, at the very start, when you're running through the mental hospital type of place, there's a guy that's stuck on an operating table and there's a plasma cutter above him that's going to be used for surgery. So you need to like deactivate it and then um, rip it out of the roof so you can use it as a weapon while this guy's on the table and screaming for help. <laughs> so that was yeah. really cool. <laughs> that was good, yeah. Yeah. At first, I had no idea what was going on, but yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like that thing that you were saying in the last episode about having it be used, like having tools and, and um, you know, every not every day, but, you know, regular sort of equipment being used as weapons. So, that was really cool. Yeah. He's not just going into this mental hospital and finding an AK-47 on the floor somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do like that feature a lot. Yeah. Um, there are a few other weapons, but we'll get into that later. Yeah. Oh, my God. My fucking leg is full. Okay. Oh, okay. Here's one that's minor, but I actually found a little annoying. Mm -hmm. um, healing is now 
delegated to the B button. So instead of going into your infantry to use a health pack, you can just press the B button to heal. Unfortunately, yeah. I kept pressing it <laughs> when I didn't want to, so I kept using up my health packs. But uh, it's nice that there's a quick button feature for that, at least. Yeah, this is just mostly a problem considering we didn't have a break between games. So this was an issue with all the buttons because they changed quite a few, like the uh, reloading the gun, for instance. Back in the first one, you had to hold the left trigger and hit X on the PS3 to reload. In this one, oh really? Yeah, yeah, which is unusual. Like usually, you'd think it's square. And this game, they've gone back to the to traditional using square to reload. So, um, oh, you're yeah, right. It was yeah. It was it was like a, a little bit uh, clunky for me to get used to it. And the same with the stasis and healing. I kept on forgetting which button was what, and ended up just pressing both. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, no. You're right. Um, in the the first game on Xbox, it is the A button when you're holding the left trigger to reload. And in this game, it is the, I want to say Y button, so mm. the equivalent of square. So they yeah. did switch that around as well. Yeah. Um, I must have forgotten about that and didn't take note. Yeah, it just meant I kept on going, reaching for square, nothing happening, and just like immediately pressing X. But uh, sorry, other way around. But um, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I mean, this is better controls probably. It's purely because I've come straight from the first one where it was a little bit odd. Yeah, I mean, it, the once I adjusted to it, it was fine. <laughs> yeah, the, exactly. uh, Coming back to back, it it's very noticeable. Um, obviously not that noticeable for me because I forgot. <laughs> and I actually did end up pressing the stasis. I ended up mixing up the stasis and kinesis buttons so often. <laughs> like even during yeah. the latter half of the game, I kept on getting them mix, mixed up. I think I did that too. Yeah. I I think I did. Oh, uh, another change was um, you could refill your stasis with just another button press as well. So that was the, on the PlayStation, would have been the triangle button. And on the Xbox, I think it was the X button, possibly the Y button. Yeah. Uh, The equivalent of the triangle button. Yeah. So basically Um, for PlayStation, uh, circle, circle would heal you triangle would refill your stasis yeah and a a major improvement over the first game is that stasis refills now come in packs of three (laughs) so instead of having like one single stasis refill filling up one block on your inventory you now had like uh three in in each square so that came in handy and um this game definitely expects you to make use of stasis significantly more than the first game so that's why they've given you that and a refill button uh which is just one button prompt so uh make use of it because you're gonna need it yep that's a minor addition that is very nice and very welcome yes much improved yeah uh okay so there are it's it's got the ea style Look, maybe that's not fair to say, but it's got <laughs> like the the AAA style action set pieces with quick time event button prompts now that yeah. weren't present in the first game. I mean, I didn't mind it. That's just kind of what happened in that generation. So it's no surprise that they implemented it in this game as well. Yeah. What were your thoughts on that? Well, I don't mind. I, I've never really minded quick time events full stop. Uh, yeah. But... Unless it's, I don't know, deadly premonition. But in this one, <laughs> there were a few times where I didn't expect a button prompt. And so I probably put the controller down 
and uh, and therefore <laughs> died because I had to press X a few times or something. Like there, there's yeah. a there's a few cutscenes where I didn't even see the X prompt and end up dying having to redo it. Fortunately, there's a there's a very good autosave feature, so you usually don't lose much time unless you're playing on hardcore. Yeah, there's like checkpoints. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, I don't mind. I think it was definitely a sign of the times back then, and you're yeah. less likely to find anything like that nowadays. But it doesn't like feel out of place really. It seems like a good transition event usually. Yeah, I think that was probably the trade-off between the previous semi-interactive cutscenes in the first game and now they've just implemented quick time stuff so that's fine yeah um it's funny though that <laughs> you put the controller down and you always get stuck in a quick time event or something like that because i yeah. do that all the time as well <laughs> yeah. today i was playing uh pokemon sword on switch and um i just like sort of put the the controller on my lap and was just like pressing a and whatever and because it takes ages for their animations to go through when you're fighting another pokemon um it was just like tapping a and then i turn to like get a drink or whatever and my hands are away from my controller and then i'm suddenly back on the open world and i get swarmed by more pokemon I'm like oh god damn it <laughs> <laughs> admittedly this is a problem i had for the first one and this game because i like having <laughs> a uh having a drink on the go having a cup of tea on the go and <laughs> you know, you never know in these games where where you're safe to just have a little have a little sip of tea, and you don't want to pause the game, but you know you end up having to because you just don't know if you're going to be ambushed. <laughs> yeah, I do that. I would always pause the game. Yeah, um, in this one at least. But yeah, that's you. You got to do what you got to do to have a little sip of your tea or a bite of your crumpet or whatever it is that you do. And an extra <laughs> bit of bit of fear and. Bit of a threat. Tension. To tea drinking time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't just like put, end up pouring scalding tea on you because you're trying to put it back down. <laughs> yeah. Drinking tea in itself is an act of, uh, of tension. <laughs> it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous you know thing I mean. to be undertaking. <laughs> it's a dangerous sport. <laughs> it's hazardous. <laughs> yes. Uh, another thing I picked up, the New Game Plus, which we brought up last oh, time yes, in yes. this game. You can change the difficulty, and you can actually change the difficulty at any point during your game if you need to bump it down if it's too hard, or if you want to bump it up for a bit of a bit more of a challenge. You can Sweet. do that now. So, what difficulty did you play on? I played on, I think it was standard or normal, so it was just the regular, yep. yeah, regular normal one. I cool. did bump it down to easy at the very end. <laughs> hey, no shame, man. I put it straight down to easy before it even started. <laughs> I only did it because, um, so here's the story. When I played this game on Xbox 360, I had a whole bunch of save files. And so I, what you have to do to play the same save file on Xbox One is you need to go back to your 360 and then you need to upload your save file to the cloud. Um, and then you need to go to your Xbox One, install the game, and then um, access the save from the cloud as well. I had the save just on my hard drive and the save file that I imported to the cloud was one that was uh, at the very end of the game in the very last chapter. So I had to end up playing the last chapter again before I could restart on a new game plus. So when I played this game for the first time this week, I jumped straight into the very last chapter and played the game again. (laughs) (laughs) So because I had already done that and already seen the ending, this time around when I got my way back to the ending, I just cranked the the difficulty down and uh, just breeze through the end because i was like oh, i've already seen this part so you know just 
finishing it as a formality. Yeah, that's uh, that's acceptable. Yeah, I mean, I've yeah. personally found this game really enjoyable just playing on easy because I mean, even during the end, there was actually times when I died just through yeah. uh, standard necromorph attacks, and um, that's probably me being half bad at the game. But um, also, I just forget sometimes to check how much health I've got, which is a terrible habit. Yeah. But well, on normal, I died a lot. Well, yeah, I, I mean, it is supposed to be a pretty tricky game. Um, yeah. But for me, it just made it more enjoyable and uh, quite satisfying and hilarious at times too. Um, I will say one of the criticisms that you had last week of the first game was about like I think you said something about. Um, no, I don't remember what you said. <laughs> Maybe I'm imagining it. But someone said, probably me, that you... No, it was you. You said you never really run out of um, ammo Yeah. in the first game. Yeah, this time around, I got to quite a few parts where I was very, very close to running out and it was stressing me out. And I was like, oh, shit, I need to get to a, a shop so I can refill my ammo. And I actually had to like purchase more ammo because I had run, like, got to the point where I was very nearly running out and would have died at any moment. So, resource management in this game is probably more important than the first game because you can run out quicker, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. That's a here's, change. Here's the thing. So, yeah. If you heard the first episode, you'll know that I played the first game only using the plasma cutter. And this one, yes. I ventured out. <laughs> I got a bit of variety in my life, I spiced things up. And I tried good weapons. So, I guess in the first game, you're less likely to run out of ammo because you're going to have more space for the, for the plasma cutter ammo. You don't need to worry about anything yes. else, right? Or at least I do. Yeah. In this one, you've got, you can have four weapons, uh, each assigned to the directional buttons again. And so, uh, you have to then think tactically about what weapon you're going to use, how much ammo you want to keep for each one. Because yep. you have got... St- um, depending on the suit you're wearing, you've got a limited amount of slots in your inventory. So um, you have got to think about it. And bear in mind, the four weapons themselves take up four slots. So yeah. uh, like, you might not even want to have four weapons. You might only use two weapons, and then you'll have two extra slots for ammo. So it's lots of little options that you can take here. And um, I ended up using three three weapons for, for quite a bit of it, just so I had the yeah. extra slot. I was pretty close to um, getting rid of one of my guns because I was using four at the time, but I was running out of ammo. So I was like, oh, maybe I should put one of these away. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a time when some of the weapons I had and I had tried, I didn't feel were that effective. And because you have the option to level them up, but you're, you're, you're pretty limited with how much you can level up during one playthrough, right? So yeah. you kind of have to focus your energy on, on one weapon maybe to, to power it up rather than leveling all of them up a tiny little bit. Uh, right. So I ended up leveling up uh, like the plasma cutter, the javelin and the ripper quite a bit, and the other ones not oh, so much. Yeah. So um, We should talk about the weapons soon. I th- yeah, I think so, because there's there's some new ones yeah. which we could talk about. Actually, let's just go into it now, since it's we're, we're still talking about new stuff, but you yeah. know, there's a lot of new weapons, so we should discuss those as well. You brought up the javelin. That's one of the new ones that is really cool. Why don't you tell me about that? Because I didn't use that one this time around. You didn't? No, I used um, the standard one. So I was using the plasma cutter, the line gun, the force gun, and the contact beam. 
Sweet. Yeah, I used the um, Javelin a whole lot, the Ripper a whole lot, and the Contact Beam quite a bit in certain areas. Yeah. And typically the Plasma Cutter, I did switch it out a few times for the uh, um, Pulse Rifle, uh, which is more or less the standard space machine gun. Um, But the Plasma Cutter still felt better. Uh, Maybe that's just... Nostalgia for the first game from a week ago. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Feels comfortable playing that. Yeah. But the Javelin, that. Javelin was very cool. Uh, this one is as it sounds, like a big kind of harpoon gun. Shoots this giant mm-hmm. spike straight into the Necromorphs. And because it is so powerful, it can send the Necromorphs flying with the Javelin, pin them into the wall. And for a lot of the monsters, especially... It's like a one-hit the, kill. It is basically one-hit kill. Like, you don't have to yeah. go about dismembering them you don't have to aim at a leg and an arm you can just aim it straight at their chest and they'll be pinned to the wall and they'll be dead so nice the the downside is it's basically one shot then you've got to you've got to reload again so um does it take ages to reload i can't remember i mean at first but it's one of those things you can upgrade um so you can increase the speed you reload um, the capacity and the damage and also there's a secondary fire which is very cool so the standard one is once you fire the javelin you can then press the other trigger and that will cause an electric shock in the vicinity of the javelin if you get far enough in the upgrade tree of that one you can then cause it to d- once it's done the electric shock it will explode so ah. that one I got that that was one I aimed for and uh once I had it, it was just very, very fun to play with. Nice. Yeah, I remember back in the day, I definitely used the Javelin uh, as one of my first few guns. So in Dead Space 2, there's no plasma cutter, as far as I remember. There's no singular plasma cutter uh, trophy or achievement. In this one, you actually wind up getting a ton of different achievements and trophies for using all the separate weapons. So it encourages you to branch out and, and experiment with all, all of those. So I started out with a certain set of weapons. And then once I had gotten all the achievements for those, I moved on to the other ones. So this time around when I played, the only trophies that I was missing were for the flamethrower and uh, the contact beam. So um, as soon as I had gotten the, the trophy for the flamethrower... I shelved that and then switched it out for a newer one that was called, I think it's called the Detonator. And oh, it yeah. basically just shoots, yeah, it shoots little uh, little mines on the floor, which set up uh, straight uh, laser lines. And if the enemy crosses those lines, the Detonator capsule will explode. And that one is super useful for some of the new, new uh, enemies in the game that basically just run straight towards you and... Uh, ram you so that's perfect for like laying traps oh man yeah i never actually tried that one i think um, oh, <laughs> you should have used it for those little two-legged things ah <laughs> uh, there was there was just something about it it was like oh this one takes planning i don't like planning so i just never bought it and uh um, oh, but i also never tried the flamethrower so that's two games i've never even uh, bought the flamethrower look flamethrower is standard as hell it does kill things quite quickly and you'd have to worry about dismembering but yeah. um to me it sort of feels a little bit cheap and being there done that so i didn't really have too much of a connection with that gun um the detonator on the other hand there are specific sections in these games with the new enemies i don't know what they're called but they they look like these they kind of look like what you would expect a skinned chocobo from final fantasy to look like <laughs> <laughs> oh i like, think this might be the stalkers maybe oh yeah, yeah yeah they appear in uh sort of 
wider arenas or levels and hide behind boxes and you can hear them like making these little noises. They're kind of like velociraptors from Jurassic yeah, Park. I absolutely yeah. got that feel. Same. It was just yeah. like, ah, these are velociraptors. They're hiding behind things. They run at you really quick. They yep. make weird ass noises, which are super cool. They also sort of flank you like velociraptors as well. Like if you're that guy in the first movie who's he like turns to your side and goes, Oh, clever girl. Clever girl. And gets eaten up, eaten yep. up by the velociraptor. Uh, yeah, so the detonators are perfect for those ones because they don't even look where they're running. They just run straight for you. And if you set up all these traps, they just kill themselves. So perfect for those arenas. Yeah. Well, I managed to do, do it without them generally thanks to the Ripper. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Please explain to me what the Ripper does because I didn't use it this time and I couldn't remember from the first game how it actually works. Well, it's, it's a huge... It's not huge. It's just a saw, a circular saw. That you fire out and through, I'm guessing, some kind of stasis power, it uh, it stays about three meters in front of you and just uh-huh. spins around for a set time. And this duration is something you can upgrade as well. Um, and yeah, you can just kind of hold it out in front of you. And if an enemy comes too close, it will just sh- shred them apart. So, for so these, it is like a chainsaw. It's like a chainsaw. Yeah, just with a, yeah. with a greater distance. And, um, okay. Yeah, so when things run at you, they run straight into the blade. It's They kill themselves. It's great. Ugh, love it when the enemies do the heavy work for you. It's so good, man. You don't <laughs> even have to move. You don't even have to get off the couch. Uh, there's yeah. also a secondary fire where you can shoot the blades, but uh, that's not so good. Yeah. The standard fire is the one you want, especially when those little weird golem-like children attack you, when they just run oh. straight into the blade. Man, that was, I think the most hilarious part of the game because uh, I, I was playing this I played a large part of this game with my housemate and um, yeah, we, we were just like <laughs> we were cackling man at how funny <laughs> this was <laughs> I love those, uh, those those children enemies they're hilarious yeah. they're like little little goblin things yeah and um, oh and so they're new and there's also the exploding babies in you <laughs> Yeah. There are some new enemies. I, I love when you first encounter this. <laughs> so cool. Uh, so in the sprawl, you kind of... It's, it's, there's sections uh, which are devoted to particular styles. So um, you have a score area, which is, is really cool. One of my favorite areas in the whole game. Um, just because yeah. the design is like slightly creepy when it's just uh, filled with dead animal uh, dead humans and babies and so when you encounter the baby the first one you see is kind of in this nursery area where the the baby with a noticeable yellow glowy cyst is crawling up to this woman this human uh and and the woman like uh, cuddles the the baby just like oh yeah come here uh, blah, blah blah and then you just see it explode and blood fills the glass surrounding the room it's so, so funny yeah and then you just encounter loads of these in the little classroom these crawly babies run at you and if you get if they get too close they just explode and eviscerate you so you've got to shoot the shoot the glowy bits and explode the babies and that also yep. means the head is just rolling around and you can use kinesis to throw <laughs> the head at people and it explodes too or what you can do is you can shoot the force gun and it will kill them all without making them explode and you get a trophy for not exploding 50 of them. Get out of or is it 20? It's not, it's 50. Oh, which actually reminds me, one of the other new things of this game is the decompression sections. 
where you shoot out windows. Do you remember those? No. You don't remember those? (laughs) No. Okay, so in certain sections where you shoot the windows or something will smash the window, the the vacuum of space will pull out all the enemies that are in there and you have to shoot the glowing lock above it to to close the security shutter. Yeah. So that one happens uh, in a scripted event near the beginning, but there are actually maybe five or six other times where there are windows that you can shoot yourself to get the enemies to be sucked out of it and you can use it strategically. So there's also a trophy for getting 20 enemies sucked out of windows. Right. <laughs> so okay. that's new. Wow. Um, Guess you didn't get that one. <laughs> I, I, I never even looked at the trophies. I just couldn't be bothered. But... Uh, the, uh, like, I um, I definitely did encounter these things. I just never really thought they were windows for some reason. It was oh. me just being stupid. Um, it's a pane of glass between you and space. So is that not a window? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it is. Uh, yeah, I just <laughs> I found like more than more often than not, these were reasons I died. There was a particularly one one event where the window is is kind of. Sp- sectioned off by these lasers and um if the lasers go off they explode and by doing that the window opens and you enter a a decompression area and you've got to shoot this thing but it took me like ages probably like five maybe not five maybe like three times (laughs) before i even realized i had to shoot the red thing because i didn't quite put two and two together about what was going on so uh that, that i think that is just me being a bit dim but yeah, it's cool. I mean, I don't, I don't dislike the picture. <laughs> Pro tip: if you, if you see something glowing, shoot it. <laughs> That's the thing, though. From the angle I was, I tended not to be able to see it because whenever oh. the explosion went off, I would be backing away from the from the necromorphs, which would force me close to the window. So by the time it exploded and I was getting sucked out, there wouldn't be time to even see above that there was a red thing to shoot. Uh, so I was just like thinking, what the hell am I doing wrong here? But then I worked it out. <laughs> Instinctually, I don't back up towards windows. <laughs> I only back up solid walls. <laughs> I think this is the thing. I don't often look at my surroundings. You know, Liam uh-huh. Neeson would be would be telling me off right now. Yeah, that's that's how you die. You've got to be aware of your surroundings. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I, I made it through. <sighs> Never mind. So that's one of the new things. Uh, I'm getting very, very close to the end of my list. But another new thing is that Isaac runs significantly faster and controls significantly smoother than the first game. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think this is kind of what yeah. how I how I mean when I said the Mass Effect two to three jump, like yeah. the uh, the man- maneuverability in in the first one. You feel heavy and clunky, and uh, yeah. I I put that down to his suit. I guess, being like heavy and stopping his maneuverability. And this one, you can run, you're pretty agile. And um, even like they've improved the stomp and the melee uh, punch a bit. Mm-hmm. To uh, I guess that's a different feature entirely because the stomp was fantastic in this game. It's probably my most utilized feature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, oh, they it did, works well. They did slightly change it to, to be that um, if you... Uh, how do I phrase this? Okay, so in in this game, enemies don't automatically drop the ammo unless you stomp on them or you damage their body further after they're already dead. So when yeah. there's a whole bunch of enemies around, you just end up stomping on corpses trying to get more loot out of them, basically. Yeah, it's <laughs> so like an overkill feature. How to yeah. loot the bodies. 
just destroy them even further. Looting corpses, 101. <laughs> <laughs> and also the stomp sound effect is just so funny. They re- yeah. The, this, the, the splat sounds in this game were 10 out of 10. <laughs> 10 out of 10 for splat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just on the, the thing about him being heavy in the first game, I loved it for the first game because I think it works more for that style. Um, I definitely approved of the change in this game because it's much more action heavy. So you need to be able to maneuver a lot smoother and not worry about, uh, you know, the cumbersome way that Isaac moves around with his heavy suit. So it worked so much better in this game uh, for the style of gameplay because it is a lot faster and it expects you to have faster reflexes and and maneuverability unlike the first game uh, where I feel that his uh, heaviness or is a bit of an encumbrance which adds to the tension and the panic of the combat. Uh, yeah. Whereas in this one, it, you're supposed to have a lot faster reflexes, so it just instinctually feels better to move faster. Yeah, it's like they couldn't change one without changing the other. If they kept yeah. Dead Space 1 Isaac in Dead Space 2's uh, action gameplay, it would be really awkward. Yeah. Probably wouldn't enjoy it as much, that's for sure. No, it would be difficult. <laughs> I've got one other note which just says, South African accents question mark or are they supposed to be australian because <laughs> there are oh. two characters with very questionable accents in this game yeah i also haven't got a clue <laughs> <laughs> so there's a character named dana who has a very questionable accent i couldn't figure out if she was supposed to be australian or not and then you meet up with another character later ellie who is supposed to be british but i thought she was australian she's british yeah apparently the voice actress is british what so I think what they were trying to do is have some sort of mixture of um, both accents to have like a evolved space accent. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I don't know, the people on Titan are just a mixture of Australian or British and, and their accents have sort of melded together a little bit because it was, I couldn't figure out what they were supposed to be. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute, are they supposed to be South African? Like, I just didn't understand. So, um, and that's coming from an Australian. <laughs> I couldn't pick the Australian accent. <laughs> Sorry, that was weird, but interesting. I think I thought it was Australian, but it was a kind of bit bit of a blurred line. It's, uh, I just, I didn't know. So. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of The Expanse. It's like the um, the Belters, how they have their own space space accent, the Belter accent. Uh, or like Aaron Sun from Farscape, who has yeah. that <laughs> strange know, accent. Yeah. I love Claudia Black. She's fantastic. Claudia Beck is pretty great. Apparently, she's... Australian. She is, yeah. Did you not know that? I think I did, but she's also got this weird sort of South African twang to her voice. Maybe that's just uh, a talent of hers. She's got a very unique accent. <laughs> Gotta look this up. She was born and raised in Sydney. Okay. Uh, but she also lived in New Zealand, England, and the US. So that's probably why she has a bit of like a mixed accent. She's been all over the place. Yeah, she's a, she's a what we call in dog breeds, she's a bitzer. <laughs> Bits of, okay. Got lots of bits. Um, <laughs> bits of everything. I'm a world famous dog breeder. Um, <laughs> it's my Claudia background. Black is a mongrel. <laughs> She's a pizza. <laughs> um, all right. So those are all the new things that I could point out. The rest of my notes are just things that I could bring up 
later of fun experiences. Do you have other things on your list that I haven't mentioned? Mostly everything's been mentioned, although I will bring up okay. the aiming, which was a little change. Like, um, you had a reticle, an aiming reticle this time. Did you not have that last time? Uh, no, uh, in the previous one, it's lasers. In this one, it's you have um you have a light coming from your gun, but ultimately it leads to a reticle. Um, but <gasps> you can change that in classic. You can change it to classic aiming mode in the options. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I maybe I had the settings changed because I thought it was the same. Maybe or maybe it was so subtle that I just didn't notice. It's pretty subtle. Yeah. Wait. So you mean okay? No, I think I do notice. So instead of the long laser lines, it just has like the three little dots. Yeah. As, yeah. That's uh, right. The crosshair. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I did notice that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very minor, but you can put it back to classic mode, which is just like in Despice One. Um, okay. Also, unless I'm mistaken, there wasn't a map this time. No, there wasn't. Yeah. So in the previous game, you could press select or whatever the Xbox equivalent was to get up the uh, holographic map, which would show you yep. the layout of the the level you're on on the Ishimura, and also the like goal where you need to go. In this one, yeah. you don't have that. Instead, you pretty much rely on just wandering through and using the um, the trail of breadcrumbs, the, the laser yeah. guiding system. It makes sense for this one, for sure. So, oh yeah, the in-universe context for the map in the first game is that you're you're on the Ishimura. You all were going there with a purpose, and um, Kendra, the character in the first game, is behind the scenes being like your your oracle to your Batman kind of thing, like your techie info support person. So she's the one that's sending you all the information to your rig, including the map and the objective locations. So in the first game, she was the one that decided where your trail of breadcrumbs trail of breadcrumbs <laughs> leads to. Breadcrumb. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Soggy biscuit. Um, well, we call it Soggy Sayo in Australia. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, and in this game, in the first half, you're following directions from a woman named Dana. So, she is the one that's sending you the locations to your rig and is in control of your laser breadcrumb reticle thing. And later on, Ellie as well. So... This, like, trail of breadcrumbs is not just a, a game feature, it's a story feature as well, because you're relying on the directions of these other characters telling you where to go. So, I love that. And um, there is a slight change to that uh, mechanic as well, where you can switch through where you want the laser pointer to send you. So, it can either send you to the story quest location or you can change it to point you in the direction of the closest save point or the closest store or uh, weapons upgrade bench. So I thought that was cool, but I never used it <laughs> like that. Likewise, I maybe used it once when I was trying to find a save point, but otherwise, nah, just didn't need it. Yeah, but that's that's. Um, I didn't need it. Yeah, playing on easy, you, know, you just don't really care about these sort of things. <laughs> yeah, and the the change for this game as well is you're you're not on. Um, like you're not restricted to one spaceship so you're following like a a set linear path of going through this space station and then later on you go to another section of the space station and then another section and you're you're constantly moving forward you're never moving back so you don't really need the map to navigate because you're always going forward yeah yeah it feels a little bit more linear in that sense um yeah 
like the first game you also had the distinct chapter separations so yeah. in the first game one chapter would end by you going on the tram you'd end at, you'd always yeah. end at the tram station give or take um maybe the last two chapters um in this one there is no obvious change between the chapter in fact i've in the very first time i played it i ended on chapter five and um you you only notice the the new chapter by a little but it comes up saying chapter one chapter two in the bottom right hand corner of the screen i think there's nothing else (laughs) to distinguish the chapters so it's so um, subtle when it happens that i missed it so many times yeah i would hardly ever realize i had gone into another chapter and um especially in the first the first five or five or six are so so small and quick that um, yeah i think i played for an hour and a half the first session and got to chapter five so oh that that reminds me that the pacing of this one as well there's there's more chapters but they're a lot I don't want to say a lot shorter, but they're shorter. So I just say some of them are. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I will say most of them. So most of them, you're moving at a pretty, pretty breakneck speed. So you're you're going pretty quickly through them, even though there's technically more of them than the first game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. <laughs> um, as for other new features, um, no, I think that's it. Actually, looking like everything's been covered on my list as well. So standout sections or experiences that you had while you were playing this? Do you have any special ones? Um, one that we've talked about before was uh, the school area. I, I just yep. really liked the design of that. It was creepy. It was cool. Um, and with the the children necromorphs and the baby necromorphs, I, it's just it's just a very cool experience. I enjoyed that one. I also really yeah. liked the design of the unitology area. Oh yeah, the the architecture was crazy. Yeah, it was more or less a, a space cathedral for this religion, yeah. and it had each area had such a unique design. Uh, and also, this is the first area you encounter the stalkers, so that was um, that was pretty standout to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess the return to the Ishimura was pretty damn cool. Yes. Even though it's been a week, I felt nostalgic going back to it. Like, ah, I'm home again. And this yeah. disgustingly necromorph-infested hellhole. <laughs> I love that even though they recycled some of the sections that you visit on the Ishimura, they went to the effort of changing the way it looks. So, like, three years have passed, you're in the Ishimura again, trying to activate a gravity tether or something like that. And um, as you're traversing through, it doesn't look like what it did before because people have been in there now and there are uh, white plastic sheets covering all the, the blood splatter and disgusting damage and stuff that was left over from the first game. And it's just like, it's basically like a whole bunch of band-aids just like <laughs> pasted over the walls and the floors. Like a police investigation zone. So cool. Like you, you get a sense that something like what you went through 
actually happened and you're seeing the the repercussions of that so uh that was cool i really liked that yeah what about you any other standout scenes yes 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 there is uh one in particular that i absolutely loved where you go to um i don't look i don't know what it's called i think it was a satellite or something i don't know you got to get on a really big elevator to get there oh once you do get there there's this AI that won't let you enter the compound without uh, being escorted by somebody that works there. So, what you have to do is you need to find the guy that works there and then you go to his bedroom. He's there and he's killed himself. And what you need to do is you need to pick up his dead body and then walk to the door so the door can scan his rig to let you in. And then once you get in, you can discard the body and whatever else. But now this AI sort of it hasn't necessarily gone rogue, but it's it's following its programming and it's trying to stop you from getting into restricted areas. So it really gave me vibes of 2001 A Space Odyssey. So you're trying to like get past this AI that's like, no, you can't go in there, a restricted area, blah, blah, blah. So that was super cool. I love that. Yeah, I also love that. And that was used a few times. I think like you first encounter it maybe halfway through the game, maybe a little bit yeah. later. And then... He disappears, but then there's also a scene where... The lifting the bodies, you mean? Yeah, yeah. The scanning yeah, the yeah. dead body to get through a locked door. But one scene in particular where you're being chased by Mr. X of the Necromorphs, you know, like, a, like oh, in the yeah. previous one, the, the indestructible one. And um, you kind of have to just rush through these areas. And, of course, you get to the one door which is locked and you, you can't open it. And you really have to think quickly to find this body to scan to get through the door. And you're all the while mm-hmm. trying to defend yourself from this uh, indestructible necromorph. That was pretty cool. That was a that was a very cool experience. Yeah. I, I love that they put that in there because it just adds to the, the whole in-universe thing about the rigs and how it's like your life signs and your ID. And um, it's not just a bunch of lights on your spine. It just means so much more than that. So, I love that aspect of it absolutely um oh yes okay so there is one thing about the ishimura that i absolutely loved and that is when you revisit it and in the first game there's a particular part which is a decompression chamber or a a uh, quarantine zone and in the first game it leads to a whole bunch of necromorphs attacking you during the uh no it's not decompression what do you call it it's like d um washing your shit off <laughs> yeah it's a sterilization it's uh... that's it the old <laughs> uh wet room where you gotta wash your muddy boots um yeah so you're in that and in in the first oh, game decontamination. That... decontamination oh that's it thank you got people listening be like god you're such an idiot fuck <laughs> <laughs> look words aren't my forte okay <laughs> you're struggling here um I'm sitting here on the floor underneath a bunch of fucking blankets. Give me a break, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the decompression chamber in the first game leads to a massive necromorph attack where they all come through the windows and attack you in this really small room. And in the second game, they set it up because they know that you've played the first game and that you expect it to happen again. And I totally fell for this, so I... Went through the decompression zone. All the doors shut down. They were like, decontamination started. And um, then I started like shooting all my little laser traps. And be like, okay, fuck, there's going to be a bunch of necromorphs coming at me. And then I, I shot like, I don't know, seven laser traps or whatever. And then the decontamination ended without anything happening. I was like, what? 
It's like, oh my God, you got me there. Um, so then I had to spend all my time like an idiot, like picking my traps back up <laughs> because the, the secondary function is to deactivate your traps and then you can add add it back to your ammo um, so you can use it again later. And then I went out and then did my little thing. And then as I was coming back, there's a, a tentacle fake out. So the corridor that you go through in the first game where the tentacle attacks you, Isaac has like a, a hallucination of it attacking you again and it f- Freaked me out, but then it, like, disappeared again. I was like, oh, shit, got me there. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then I had to go through the decontamination again. And then this time, I was like, ah, it's it's fine. And then they attacked the second time. <laughs> like, you motherfuckers. <laughs> got you twice. Yeah. So, they, they play with my expectations, and I really like the fact that they just thought about that. So, um, hats off me to too. them for putting some effort into it. Yeah. 100% agree. That was- yeah classy it was tastefully done yeah (laughs) (laughs) very tastefully done and i also really liked towards the end of the game there is a sort of like a quick time event where you need to put a needle in your eye oh yeah this is uh, everybody already knows about this it's part of the marketing promotional stuff it's in all all the trailers and all that i really enjoyed that because you need to like get the needle into his eye but the closer that you get and the faster that you do it the higher or faster that Isaac's heart rate beats and the more his pupil moves. So, the f- first time I did it, I just shoved the needle like straight through his head and <laughs> fucked it up completely. Likewise, completely destroyed his head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I ended up doing that twice. But um, yeah, love that section. That was really cool. Yeah. That was, again, one that I think everyone has seen by now. Um, yeah. Still, when you're actually in control of it yourself, that's very cool. It's very tense. Yeah. So I love that. Um, did you have any other ones? Um, I think like that's the most standout things that we've said. But I, I did quite enjoy the part where you have to <laughs> stand on top of that um, earth kind of tunnel machine, which just tunnels through the, oh. uh, the ship or the or the or the moon. And, yeah. Um, parts of this organic matter of the like the giant necromorph tissue or whatever the hell you got to go through. Uh, and you yeah. get an attack by Necromorphs the whole way. It was kind of tricky, but uh, I just enjoyed it. It's kind of kind of funny. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, cool. So, how about we talk about the sales figures? Go okay, go for it. I mean, I don't really know much. Uh, I do know that this okay. was one of the most expensive games made. Yeah. So, yeah. are you aware that this game is considered a failure? Uh, thanks to Wikipedia. Yeah, but. I don't yeah. really know too much about it. <laughs> okay, so I actually had no idea that this game was considered a failure because I loved it to pieces when it first came out and it sold 4 million copies. So you'd think that 4 million copies would be considered a success. But mm. at the time, um, it was the most expensive video game that EA at least had created or, or published. So they spent $60 million on it, which... By today's standard, doesn't sound like that much. It sounds like a pretty standard AAA title. Yeah. Um, so the the four million sales that they had couldn't make up for the cost of the actual game. So that's a shame. But the first game, I don't know how much it cost to make, but it sold one million uh, units, which is obviously significantly less <laughs> than the second game. Yep. So. You would think that if you're selling 3 million units more, it would be considered a success, but unfortunately not. So, 
Um, I was very disappointed to find out that this wasn't at least a commercial success, but critically it was, well, it was a critical success, so that's yeah. good. Okay. Yeah, I guess you could say it was, cons- I don't know if you consider it a bomb, but it definitely didn't make back the money, I think, is what I'm getting at. Well, it's difficult because it's it's one of those games which I think you would think of as being well-loved, but that obviously yeah. doesn't necessarily equate to it being a financial success. So yeah. it's a shame, but you can definitely see that it has a lot of money spent on it. I think um, ah, it it's beautiful. It's beautiful. The designs of areas are like outrageously good in some areas, yeah. and they just there's so many different features. Like in the first game, it feels very monotone at times. Like he, um, each area is vaguely quite similar, right? In this one, yeah. they are drastically different. Um, and and it's done really well as well. So even just like things from design to lighting to audio, I think it's all going to add up, and you can realize that like this is an expensive game. Yeah, it it definitely looks like its budget, and you can tell that they they had such an attention to detail and put a lot of effort into everything they did. But it kind of makes me wonder maybe if they didn't spend time and money doing the multiplayer they might have made a profit potentially yeah. <laughs> like- yeah i wonder why they put a multiplayer in i mean i can't see this being something the devs would really want to do and i can definitely see it as something that ea would have wanted them to do so yeah. it might have been like forced in just because it's ea and in um, doing so it definitely would have been yeah in doing so made them like spend more money needlessly yeah I think at the time, EA was just one of those companies that, I mean, well, look at them today. They're still doing <laughs> that. Like, all their games yeah. basically need to have multiplayer because multiplayer is the future. So It's where the money they, is. Yeah. Well, that's what they thought, but yeah. <laughs> not when you shoehorn it in a, in a game that should be a single player experience. <laughs> yeah, it's stupid. Yeah. So, maybe if they didn't spend so much money and resources on the multiplayer, they would have made a profit and... Um, yeah, this is sort of like the 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 first look at uh, EA's meddling with Dead Space before they go full meddling and uh, get heavily involved in Dead Space 3. So we'll find out next week what that looks like because I have only played that for about three hours, so I'm, I don't have that much experience with that, and that was many years ago, so I really do not remember. Yeah, likewise, I, I have... I think thirty minutes of experience because yeah. uh, I got this. I got Dead Space Three on PS Plus, and so I checked the install date on my PS Three, and it was two thousand and fourteen. It's been installed, <gasps> so that's no a way. long time. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Um, I played the first five minutes of it and uh, instantly regretted it <laughs> because I was like, <laughs> "Oh shit!" There's all that backstory I wanted from the previous games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they kind of just like tell you the full the everything about the marker in the first five minutes in a cutscene. I was like, ah, oh, shit. Power. Um, yeah. So we'll talk about that in the next episode about uh, more of the story and all that sort of stuff. Because in this this game, they don't really delve too much into it. Should we talk about what goes on story wise, or what are you feeling? Yeah, about that? might as well. Might as well cover it. Although actually, okay. just another feature I'd like to talk about. Um, yeah. Is hardcore mode? Uh, because I, I this is one of those things that is a little bit notorious. Um, among trophy hunters because uh-huh. there is one the one trophy I knew about in this game 
is the hardcore one, which um, basically means you have to play on this hardcore difficulty, which you unlock after playing through the game once on any difficulty. And mm-hmm. hardcore basically means you can play through the whole game, um, but you can only save three times. And Oh, shit. It also, that means um, ammo and health and stasis packs, etc. are limited. Um, some of the enemies are more difficult. I don't think it's quite up to zealot difficulty, but I think it's somewhere in between normal and survivalist. So it's pretty tough. And there is no autosave either. Oh, so if you 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 die, you actually go back to the the legitimate last save that you made. Yeah, that's what you see. If you if you go on like um, trophy guides for this game, okay, you can find specific hardcore walkthroughs, and a lot of them will suggest saving for the very first time around like chapter seven. Okay, and then again around chapter ten or twelve, and um. I, there's so many scenes in this game where I would just think like I could have died here so easily yeah and imagine playing through until chapter seven and then dying before you've saved <laughs> just losing like three <laughs> hours progress I just I couldn't do it can you do it in new game plus though no no I don't think so okay so you don't get to keep your weapons you can't bring forward anything it's all ah, new damn so uh, you'd have to just know the game so well. Expect every jump scare, every every monster to appear, and oh my god! I just, like even that sticking the needle in the eye scene. What if you fuck that up? And oh yeah, I I, I don't even want to contend doing that. So props to anyone who's got that. It's just yeah, the tension you must be feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I had a hard enough time. Well, I mean, I failed the the limbo trophy which is like finish it in three hours or whatever it is without dying Mm. so there's no way that i'd be able to do this one and i mean that i'm not saying that the limbo one is easier by any means but um that's the only time that i've ever really you know given it a crack to do one of these yeah types of trophies yeah actually i i've always wanted to try that one because i I feel like i could (laughs) i I love that i tried man (laughs) i couldn't (laughs) There's no way. Yeah, I, I probably won't do it, but if I had to go for one, I would do that. It seems within my grasp. It's just shorter time, but I could feel more frustration in that because that's three hours, whereas this game, my final playtime on this playthrough was seven hours. So if you can yeah, save okay. three times in that, just divide seven by three, and then that's each play session that you get to have a respite in between but if it's three hours like you know non-stop um limbo isn't three hours i think it's uh in one place isn't it yeah i think so i don't remember (laughs) slightly off anyway yeah anyway also um one of the rewards right for doing hardcore playthrough is Uh the weapon foam finger (laughs) what it's just like it's just like one of those foam fingers you'd get at, at a sports game and um, <laughs> it's like super powerful. It kind of just one hit kills things. That's quite funny. Nice. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really like joke weapons. <laughs> well, it's after playing hardcore, man. You you would know the game back to front by that point. So yeah, but but by, by the time that you unlock that, I would be burnt out on it. I wouldn't want to replay even with a jokey weapon. Well, that's the thing. Like, if they give you a serious weapon, you'd think, well, what's the point of this? I'm never going to use it. Might as well end on a joke, right? No, uh, I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. 
it just reminds me of one of those times where I would prefer nothing. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. when I when I get a shitty present at Christmas, I'm like, you should have just fucking gotten me nothing. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I have done that before and I felt really bad about it afterwards. <laughs> well, you get a gold trophy. So, that okay. would keep some people happy. I-, I want the gold trophy. I just don't want the shitty present that I wish you would return, <laughs> you know? Instead of giving yeah, give to me, me on Christmas. Give me the receipt with that thing. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> She's like, don't waste your money on this thing that I don't want. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, I agree. Flashback to my childhood. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> so, story-wise, what what the hell is going on in Dead Space 2? Dude, you tell me. I have no idea, honestly. Other than Isaac waking up on the sprawl three years after the events of the first game, I'm a little bit clueless. Um... This is my fault. I think playing with my housemate, we kind of were taking the piss of the game quite a bit, not really focusing on the dialogue that often. Uh, also, not being able to hear the dialogue sometimes <laughs> didn't help. Um, but there's something about the marker, something about Isaac making the marker. Who knows? Maybe, uh, okay. maybe you know a bit more. <laughs> All right. I, I think I know. So I know a little bit more than what this game actually tells you, but it it expects you to have experienced... Definitely the first game, but potentially Ignition as well, or Extinction. But the insinuation in this game is that uh, the markers get into people's heads, so it gives them basically the blueprints so they can create their own markers. So what happens is Isaac is put into this mental institution, and not just him, but the other people in the institution have all been exposed to the marker and its signal, I guess you could call it, the, the thing that gets inside their heads. So, all of them have the the blueprints of the markers in their heads. And because Isaac was the one that was exposed the most, he's the one that has the most complete blueprint or something like that. So, the, the people that are running this institution are using the information from his head and doing the thing with the needle in the eye to, to get all the information out. And they go ahead and build this giant marker. And I don't know how the Necromorph thing <laughs> winds up happening in this. I think <laughs> if you listen to all the audio logs and the text logs... I think it insinuates that they created some sort of, I guess you could call it like a psychic muffler or like a, um, something to, to uh, like protect from the this signal going out so it wouldn't affect people or give them dementia or whatever. But the quote-unquote aliens who are the ones responsible for building this, it's one of those things where it's like a, a Trojan horse sort of trick where they... They think they've protected themselves from the signal, but in actual fact, they can't protect themselves from the si- from the signal. Yeah. So, it winds up getting out and turning a bunch of people into necromorphs. And the marker uses hallucinations of Nicole to lure Isaac back to the marker because they want this thing called convergence to happen. What that means is all the necromorphs that have been created will converge on the marker and they're biological materials will all combine into something and the process will be completed when the creator of the marker who is isaac so like i don't know if he was physically creating the marker or not but the information was being taken from his head so technically he's the creator so once he is assimilated into this then convergence is completed and their goal is completed but Obviously, that stops before convergence happens, so we don't know what the final goal is until the next game. Well, I hope we find out. Uh, yeah, I think we do. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't actually want any spoilers, man. Come on. 
but I hope so. Yeah. Uh, I do remember one point in this game where um, I think it's in a text log, that maybe uh-huh. audio log. I don't remember actually looking at the text logs because I just got fed up of reading. Yeah. But there's definitely one point where it kind of says pretty much that if you're stupid, you you take the signal from the marker one way, and if you're smart, you take it another way, right? Yeah. <laughs> so... Obviously, Isaac is a smart boy. Yeah. So, if you're smart, they, they implant the knowledge in your head. But if you're stupid, you basically just wind up getting dementia and killing yourself <laughs> to become fodder for the necromorphs. The marker has a built-in IQ test. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and apparently. That, that was quite funny because it literally just does say smart. <laughs> <laughs> there is another thing as well that's discovered in a log in the Ishimura. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, it says that, uh, I don't remember if this was text or audio either, but apparently, actually, I think it might have been text. So, what it said was, after the marker was destroyed in the first game, all of the necromorphs, uh, instead of leaving behind bodies, they all just sort of melted into this uh, organic material, and it was just like puddles everywhere through the Ishimura. So, that's why there are so many cleanup crews uh, like yeah. going through the, to clean it all up. So, the signal from the marker is the thing that is holding all of them together. So, their mutations are, uh, I guess, pliable um, based on the marker's signal. So, I guess it makes sense for when they all converge into one, they mutate into some sort of, I'm guessing, big, disgusting, organic thing, like potentially what was at the end of Dead Space 1, but we'll find out in the next game. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. So... Cool aliens. <laughs> cool aliens. So, one more thing. Uh, Dead Space 2 ad campaign. What is it? Your mum hates Dead Space 2. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I think people, most people other than you should remember this. I'm surprised you actually didn't know about it because this was a, a big thing back in 2011, whenever this was released. It's 2011? Yeah. Yeah, so there was a, I think it was like a manufactured controversy. Um, It was that kind of thing where, uh, you know, game companies are trying to be edgy and and, and say like gamers are cool and edgy and, um, you know, regular people like moms don't like Dead Space. So that's why you should buy this game is because it's cool. And it was very tone deaf. (laughs) Wikipedia basically says... The campaign was criticised as sexist and reinforcing stereotypes against female and older gamers. <laughs> what? Oh my god! <laughs> Look, I don't agree with that because it's it was like a legit. Um, what are they called? Like a focus group? Yeah, it was like a, a legit yeah. focus group where they just got a bunch of older ladies to come in, and obviously they were cherry picked to be people who don't play video games, and uh, probably I think it even says they're from more conservative states. So, they they just got these older ladies to sit in a chair and watch a bunch of footage of necromorphs killing people and killing Isaac and Isaac killing them and all sorts of things and get their reactions from it. And almost all of them, except for one, hated it. <laughs> yeah. The one that didn't hate it, just medium disapproved. And I loved her. <laughs> yeah. Just like, I'm medium disapproved this game. Yeah. She's like, you know, if you approve or you disapprove or you medium approve, I disapprove, but not all the way to the bottom. And I love you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You could tell she was enjoying that. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh, it's gooey. 
<laughs> Damn, look at that monster. <laughs> What's that coming out of his mouth? Is that gold? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was class. The other ones She was trash. great. Yeah, the other ones were sad. <laughs> they they were them. sad. They're just like looking for a reason to hate stuff. Like, oh, come yeah. on, it's a game. Get over it. Yeah, I thought it was really funny. Yeah, I thought it was funny too. I mean, I, I don't think it's a smart way to market the game, but I think as far as ad campaigns go, I haven't seen anything like it before, so I appreciate them trying something new. Yeah, it's damn cool. Yeah. I just think it's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is funny. <laughs> I think they. I wish they went with uh, just the, the angle of um, having it shock people rather than having them hate the game, because that just doesn't make any sense to me. Why would you want people to hate the game? <laughs> yeah, I guess. And also some people like... Your mum's probably going to be buying that game for you for Christmas, so uh, yeah. maybe don't turn off the mums. <laughs> <laughs> All you kids out there don't have your own incomes. Fucking losers. <laughs> fucking, fucking losers. JK, that was me back in the day. <laughs> yeah, my mum would never have bought me this anyway. Um, I think my mum would have, but at, at one point when I was a teenager, it was, um, I'm not going to buy you any more games. You need to get a job, so. Well, that's what um, I mean. I had to get a job. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> my mum would watch a trailer for this and wouldn't like bat an eye. It'd be fine. She wouldn't even care. Yeah. Oh yeah, She'd my mum laugh. wouldn't care. I used I used to watch horror movies with my mum all the time when I was like twelve. We would get um in Australia R rated horror movies, which is R eighteen plus. So mm-hmm. um we would just sit down and watch like the goriest, cheesiest, shittiest B horror movies ever and have a great time. I remember specifically one time we watched this movie. I can't remember what it was called. I think it was like Grandma the Curse or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and it was this strangest movie. I, I can't remember if that's what it's called. But there's this part where um, this grandma character gets brought back from the dead by an evil spirit or something. And then a, a whole bunch of her family members are there trying to wait for, like, waiting for her to die so they can get her inheritance. And... Um, there's this chick who is standing there naked and I'm like 12 sitting next to my mum watching this like fully like tit like tits out and and everything like naked woman and she's just like oh she's got some big knockers and I'm like fuck mum shut up <laughs> and I'm like I but I I was sitting there like I wonder if she thinks I'm getting turned on by this <laughs> little does she know I'm definitely not <laughs> Anyway, great movie because there was this part where like this fox um, fur scarf thing came alive and like ripped out this woman's throat. I was like, oh, sick. Man, that sounds yeah. fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So, she watches horror movies with me. And every time I go and visit her, we're always watching like a horror movie off Netflix or something. It's just like the, the thing we oh, do. Isn't that sweet? I know. Anyway, it's story nice. time with me. So, did your mum like horror movies? No, not not at all. I mean, no one oh. in my family likes horror movies. We are we are a horrorless family. Well, uh, we're more likely to to watch episodes of Desperate Housewives or something. Oh, that's sad. I feel bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's the worst. How do you tolerate that? Uh, we. I don't. I don't tolerate it. <laughs> I never Fair see enough. my family. I've I've, uh, I've abandoned. And them. that's why. <laughs> <laughs> my housemate hates horror movies right mm-hmm. and um so i i think i spoke about this in the erica episode because he came in and saw me playing it and it was the guy the part where the guy was dead on the floor and he's like nope gross blah 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 whatever oh yeah 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 so like i in my spare time <laughs> watch horror movies like a normal person does and he he's under the impression that 
people who watch horror movies are sick in the head or have like some sort of something wrong with them and i'm just like what the, how can you even fucking think that like you know it's not real just chill the fuck out it's it's supposed to be a scary experience or uh an entertaining experience so like, how can you find that stuff entertaining they're all dead bodies and you're so morbid and blah blah, blah. i'm like oh for fuck's sake man just chill out <laughs> i don't get it i understand nah. how people can think that way nah likewise yeah i mean it's, it's, weird. it's fake yeah that's the <sighs> thing it's fake and yeah. you know it's I don't fake, get upset so. about him watching home renovation shows all the time. Like fucking boring <laughs> shit. Hey, they're just as fake. Yeah, they are. <laughs> it's just less death. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No one real could afford these renovations. Yeah, exactly. No one real can afford a house of their own. That's a fucking fantasy. As if where are we going to yeah. be able to afford to buy a house? I'm definitely more likely to kill a person than buy a house. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> anyway, just probably wrap it up. <laughs> I think so. The tangents have okay. uh, have have brought Dead Space Two to an end. I think. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Final conclusion. Then, do do you like this game better than the first game? Which game do you prefer? Um, I think I do prefer it a little bit, but okay, they're pretty much even. I like them both equally. I think really. All right. I think I definitely prefer the second game. Yeah. Not by a whole lot, but by enough that uh, if I had a choice between playing either one of them again, I'd probably pick the second game. Um, just because I find it slightly more fun, whereas I think I find the first game more of a scary experience. So, okay. like yeah. if I want to be creeped out. Yeah, I, I, I think it was probably a bit more fun, but it, is, it does feel like a different experience. I would say like this is this is how to do a sequel. For sure. They changed enough, but kept it familiar. Yeah, but going back to the aliens analogy, if I had a choice between watching Alien and Aliens, I'd pick Aliens. That's <laughs> true. I think I would as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's more of a popcorn sort of movie, and this is more of a popcorn sort of game. It is. It is for sure. Cool. All right. Well, I think everyone knows what we're playing next. So um, yeah, <laughs> we should just uh, highlight the socials. So we've got Twitter at Bad Backlog, got Twitch at Good Bad Backlog. Uh, we've got mm-hmm. Instagram at Good Bad Backlog and YouTube at The Good Bad and Backlog. Um, I want spreadsheet. She can just search for us oh. on there and should find it. Or shop.spreadshirt.com slash Good Bad Backlog. That's the one. Cool. All right. Uh, let's thank our sponsors then. I would like to thank that reanimated fox fur scarf that ripped out the throat of that old lady back in the day because <laughs> it was a bonding experience with my mother. <laughs> nice. I would like to thank Adam's housemate for sponsoring this episode. Uh, just because. It would never. Just because I, I threatened to show him uh, some some blood if he didn't. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> He'd probably pass out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks for thanks for joining us, and see you next week. See you later. Bye, see bye. That's what you say. <laughs>